Welcome to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and staff achieve peak economic and practice efficiency so there is time and energy to focus on patient care and a happy life. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-hosts, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. Today's episode is brought to you by ModMed. Do your EHR and PM adapt to your style of practice? The ModMed EHR and PM do, with benefits like remembering preferences and automatically suggesting documentation and billing codes. Urologists voted ModMed the number one urology-specific EHR and PM solution available. Built by urologists with input from yours truly. Stop wasting 60 minutes and 200 for each of your open or no-show slot. Go to modmed.com slash prsnetwork. Set up an appointment with the team at ModMed Urology and shift your urology practice into high gear. Imagine a solution on a tablet or the web that works seamlessly with revenue cycle management, analytics, telehealth, payment processing, patient engagement tools, and much more. ModMed is transforming healthcare by placing doctors and patients at the center of care. Welcome to episode 116 of the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-host, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. And it is Urology Coding Month. October is Urology Coding Month because of all the things and all the changes and everything that's going on. But we really want to get everybody to understand that the rules and regs are very important, as we covered last week, and the foundation and knowing that is very important. So this week... Uh, we wanted to cover ICD-10, which we don't cover as often as uh, the other rules because it's more of the uh, the why you're doing things and a uh, lot less, uh, you know, even though it's very important, the, the use of an ICD-10 code is oftentimes, you know, it, it's, it's needed, but it's not as difficult as the CPT side and how things are applied. So let's dive into ICD-10. We're not going to cover the, you know, all the, the, the changes. There wasn't a ton of ICD-10 changes, just very few changes that are impacting urology, but we wanted to cover kind of the overall concepts and then just revisit a little bit about, you know, how it's set up, how you put those ICD-10 codes, how do you order them, and then what the excludes and includes and just some of the basics of the ICD-10. So with that, Mark, I'll turn it over to you. Let's let's talk ICD-10. Okay. So first, as Scott mentioned, um, in reviewing the ICD-10 for 2023, now if I get my years correct, <laughs> um, which actually become becomes effective or became effective October 1, um, there weren't a lot of changes that uh, that really directly affected urology. There were a couple of things that might be of interest, um, but not a, a big effect on day-to-day. Um, so uh, there may be a few in the urogyne uh, ecology area that um, that folks doing a little bit more towards the, the uh the uh, female uh, anatomy uh, overall that you might want to take a look at some of the changes that are there, but overall they're they're for urology in general, we didn't see anything that was significant um, for those changes. Um, so 
But we have been getting a lot of questions recently, or I have, as I've been traveling around and fielding questions here and there on ICD-10 coding. And it looks like the payers are starting to pay a little bit more attention to some of the underlying uh, governance, we'll just say, of ICD-10. So starting at the conceptual level, um, you know, one of the questions I always uh, get, and usually this happens when we are talking about modifier 25, and folks are thinking that they need a different diagnosis for the E&M code on the same day as a procedure. Um, so first of all, we'll, de we'll debunk that, that the rules from Medicare and CPT are that you a different diagnosis is not required. Now, um, there is a no, there are a number of payers out there that are um, oftentimes throwing out record reviews or denials that uh, you can be attributed to the fact that the same diagnosis code was used for the two services provided on the same date. Um, but I can tell you that there are a lot of reasons that payers are pulling the modifier 25 because the big one being it is targeted as the number one abuse modifier uh, in medical coding. So um, there's there's really not a good way to use modifier 25 that doesn't get your records reviewed. So understand that going in, that your documentation needs to support that significant separately identifiable E&M service that we've talked about so many times in the modifier 25. But the, the sequencing of what you what you use an ICD-10 code for is based on what you know at the end of the encounter. Um, so it's not uh, really about the reason that you thought you were going to do this, but what you know at the end of the encounter. And that the other one of the other general principles on all of this is that if you have a symptom code, those are codes that start with an R, like hematuria and retention and frequency and all those things. If you have a symptom code that is attributed to a disease process, that you should, in most cases, stop reporting the symptom code. Well, urology has one of the few uh, exceptions to that rule in BPH with LUTs, in that BPH with LUTs uh, in 40.1 actually has a notation underneath it that says use additional code for symptoms. So they do want you to use those R codes and to add them and subtract them as the patient um, moves through the care pathway um, and, and what they report um, back to you as to what symptoms they're, they're dealing with at that particular point in time based on uh, the medical uh, management that you've chosen. So, you know, that's that's one of those uh, notes that's underneath the code um, that, you know, is, is tough to memorize, but um, uh, as far as all the rules, but not as tough when you kind of uh, get it as it applies to you. So, you know, as we go through and we we deal with all these rules and regs and the, and the additional notes, um, and the additional instructions in ICD-10, um, it's important to review them every year. Um, but more important, it's a, it's important that your your whoever you designate in your office, you know, typically your 
your coding support team uh, that can communicate those things and and then you can turn around and apply those um, so not learning all of it but learning what's relevant to you as you move forward another common question that i get is um, and that that comes up kind of in waves for me interestingly enough is you know how long do i use a cancer code um, and you know, that, that's one that from ICD-10 standpoint, they've come up with what they feel are fairly definitive guidelines in that the ICD-10 code for cancer um, should be used um, while the patient has cancer, uh, that particular cancer, um, but should be switched to a personal history of that type of cancer after the active treatment phase has been completed, so whether it's a surgical excision, uh, radiologic, uh, or excuse me, um, uh, radiation uh, therapy, um, or uh, some type of chemo or immunotherapy, that if the physician is through the treatment phase, and the indicators, um, you know, for prostate cancer, maybe it's a PSA that drops to zero and, you know, a, a clear ultrasound. Um, for bladder cancer, it's a clear cystoscopy. So you don't see evidence of the disease anymore. So it's not considered active. So it's been tr targeted treatment is completed, including that initial follow-up phase. Um then you move to personal history of for that particular cancer. Um, and I will tell you that as we've been billing for multiple groups, those personal history codes rarely affect reimbursement. Now, there are a couple of occasions where we've had to go and straighten out a couple of payers here and there, but the coding rules and the rules for payment have been modified now to support that. So I know there's a lot of folks out there that still say, well, they don't pay for history of codes. Yes, they do. Um, and it's the right way to code. So that's yet another one that I get. The other, the other one that's been um, cropping up, that's cropped up a couple of times, are when you use two codes that are close together. Um, you know, maybe it's a... Uh, 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 a type of, and I can't remember the exact codes that we were working with um, in the process. And Scott, if you can think of those. it uh, The N39.0 and the N30.1. Oh, okay. 0. Okay. So the N39.0, which, which is, uh, is um, UTI unspecified, and the th N30.0, which is cystitis. Um so those two codes um, actually um, are listed within uh, ICD-10 as, as an, an excludes pair, um, which basically says they can't be recorded, reported together because they're listed as excludes one codes. Um, so we actually saw a denial um, recently because the two codes were used on the same claim which is telling us that those the payers are starting to pay attention to those excludes one and excludes two notes. Um, and the excludes two um, has a slightly different definition in that, yes, they can be coded together, 
but they need to be separately managed problems because oftentimes those problems occur at the same time and are managed under the same treatment plan versus the excludes one, which says you can't use those codes. They're mutually exclusive. You've got to choose one or the other. And typically it will tell you which one you should use um, based on those notations. So um, you do want to watch the ICD-10 process and and, uh, certainly from a payment standpoint, you're going to watch how active the payers are in following those more detailed rules and those rule sets um, and be able to communicate that through throughout your organization. And then the final thing, when we mentioned this um, uh, a couple of weeks ago, is understanding the LCD or the LCA relative to drugs, uh, procedure supplies um, that uh, that are and services that have limitations in the payer world as covered benefits. Um, so, you know, those are specific covered ICD-10 lists that would be included in typical LCAs um, and, uh, and actually described clinically in an LCD, a local coverage decision versus a local coverage article, which has all the coding instructions. So you want to pay attention to all of those things and make sure that your medically necessary documentation supports any diagnosis that's used. Um, We do see some practices that have come up with a general policy of just pick a code that works, um, and that isn't necessarily well, it's it's not an accurate way to code. I mean, if it if that code is not supported when you're in your documentation and you're reporting it just to get paid, you could end up in serious trouble. And then the final one um, that we're we're starting to see a little bit more pay a little more attention to is order of ICD-10 codes. So understanding that ICD-10 codes, um, you can list up to twelve. Uh, on a bill uh, that goes out to a payer, uh, but that that may not be the the same set of codes may not be applicable to every CPT code you bill, and you really want to try and get a communication process in first in 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 your organization that uh, allows you to assign the appropriate diagnosis code in the initial or primary position to each of your CPT codes. So those are a quick a quick list of a bunch of stuff that I've been fielding questions on recently. Ray, what are your thoughts on uh, the topic? Uh, two thoughts. First, uh, beware of what we've always called institutional knowledge, where you may have misinterpreted a rule or the rule may have changed. But this is the way you do it, and this is the way you've always done it. So you want to be sure you're changing. And Mark, I have a question for you. How do the secondary codes that you use, you mentioned sequence was important, and certainly having the right ICD-10 code for the service you provided 
tells the story of what you did and why you did it. But how often do the secondary codes change the payment to the physician? Now, I know they do a lot of changing of payment to Part C Medicare carriers, but what about to the physician? Okay, so um, I'm I'm gonna take two parts of this. The first one, I'm gonna I'm gonna say you you said change payment, and I just want to clarify that ICD-10 codes and you know Scott mentioned we spend more time on we spend a lot more time on CPT um, than ICD-10. You know ICD-10 codes don't change the amount that you're paid. The amount you're paid is the CPT code, and I think that's one of the reasons we tend to end up in the nuances of CPT a little bit more. But the ICD-10 code changes whether or not you're going to get paid. So that's what you meant by saying, how does ICD-10 change payment? Um, it, it's the yes or no button that's out there. Well, I wanted you to emphasize both points. Yeah. And so <laughs> that was the reason for the question. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I, I appreciate that. I didn't cover that earlier. And so that thanks for the prompt there. Um, <laughs> So, but the but the 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 answer the second part of the question, which is what is the meaning of the secondary codes that are out there? There are a number of services, drugs, um, uh, and and drugs that do require two diagnosis codes, um, and that you and the order of those diagnosis codes as primary and secondary is essential to getting paid. So. Um, it is, those are important. Now, um, other than the payment rules, the other piece that's there um, of those secondary codes is, you know, accuracy of what the patient has or doesn't have. Uh, they make a difference in your Medicare Advantage plans, uh, payment to the Medicare Advantage plan. So they, that's why they're coming in and look at your records. They're trying to fish out or tease out um, things that you may not even treat um, that you've got information on to help them risk categorize those patients even higher. Um, and as the value payment plans get more sophisticated, um, those additional codes actually um, may make a difference on how you're paid to do episodic care because of those potential underlying conditions. So, the, you know, past the the payment rules that are there, a lot of those secondary diagnosis codes typically won't affect your payment on that date, um, but they may affect some of the other things on the road or down the road. All right. And I will come in with uh, just want to tell you where to find that information and an easy way to do that. And that's on AUA Coding Today. And on AUA Coding Today, if you're on an ICD-10 code, you can look at that screen and on that screen are all the notes for that that are in, that impact that code. So it has the excludes, the includes. So you just drop down the the note to see that. 
And that's easier to find than if you're looking at a book because you have to go back to the you know beginning of the chapter or beginning of the section to get those notes a lot of times. So in coding today, it's it, we just make it easier as well as the article information. So it does include by CPT code what ICD-10 codes are, you know, if there's a if there's a Medicare LCA out there, we do include that. So it kind of gives you that guideline. So so I just wanted to tell you that coding today is a great resource for this type of stuff. That's why we included it in there, kind of gathered it all so you can quickly get that information. And uh, and again, we have a link on the episode page if you want to get a trial of that and just play with that. Some of uh, some of that information is uh, just you just got to learn how to you look at it and find it, and it makes it a lot easier once you once you find it in coding today. Okay, we'll wrap this episode up here. Let's go around. Mark, final thoughts. Well, I mean, I threw a lot out. Um, today with ICD-10 and some of the nuances that are out there. Um, and I'll I'll circle back to emphasizing that, you know, in the end, you want to understand ICD-10 coding in, a, in, an, in an application fashion, right? So you don't need to understand all of the, you know, 10,000, 12,000 ICD-10 codes and all the nuances that are out there. That's not what we're saying. And you don't under, need to necessarily understand all the nuances of, of all the rules, but you do want to pay attention and understand the rules that apply to you. Um, so um, that would be something that you do. You want to try and get your work with your coding team to identify those codes that you use frequently um, and identify your payer rules and regs that apply to you so that you can document uh, everything you need and support everything because all of your charts are getting reviewed or not all of them, but a lot of your charts are getting reviewed very frequently now. Ray. I think I just like to emphasize as well, the fact that you, you need to have the correct story, which means the correct uh, ICD 10 for the service provided because they are a pay or no pay. If you don't have one that, uh, that's included in the LCDs or included in their database that for that CPT code, you don't get paid. But the secondary codes uh, get used to using uh, the way you should. And, and it's fine to add is whatever you want on there that you want in your database, but it doesn't change your payment. You could have one diagnosis code or 12, and you will be paid the same, unless you're in uh, some sort of, uh, of uh, program that pays for uh, excellence and risk and all that stuff. Yeah. All right. And you can make sure that if it does require two diagnoses that you do include those. So exactly. Yep. Okay. Uh, let's, uh, let's end this here. Ray, take us out. Happy coding. Thank you for listening to the urology coding and reimbursement podcast. 
where we help urologists and their staff maximize income and efficiencies so there's time and energy for patient care and a happy life. Special thanks to Carl Painter for the music today. You can find his music on Spotify under his record label, The Juicery. 